God, thank you so much for this day. I am so, so thankful to be here, Lord. Um, man, just the, the symbolic, uh, I guess, nature of today that we get to be here worshiping you on the first day of the new year. And uh, man, that is a reason to celebrate that we get to be with the saints and praise you. Uh, Father, I just ask right now that you move in the lives of everyone here, that uh, you show yourselves in whatever ways they need you to, Father, um, that you soften hard hearts, uh, that you heal broken hearts, uh, that you heal people and save people. Father, I pray you would wake up people, uh, get people to see the reality of your love, the reality of your existence. There's people in here who, who doubt that, but um, yet are still here, God, and I know that pleases you. So wherever they're at on their journey, I pray you'd help them take the next step. And I just uh, thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Father, help me to preach your word and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way. I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How you guys doing today? That was, that was better. Hey, oh, well, welcome. Uh, it has been a while. So we had the little snow ice storm, which was really sad because we didn't get to do our Christmas Eve candlelit service. That's okay. So uh, we are in, coming to the end of our, a new, not a new series, coming to the end of our series, Liar, Liar, in which I call you liars. I'm just kidding. Uh, what we're talking about in this is the fact that in culture, as well as in church, so popular culture and church, there are things that we tend to believe to be true that aren't true. And we kind of know the obvious ones, right? The world says Christ isn't real, or he isn't who he said he was, all these things. But a lot of times... There's a lot more insidious ones. What that means is they kind of creep in. You don't notice them. And that's what we're going to talk about. And we're coming to the end of that. Um, I, I believe next week will probably be the last one. So you want to be here for that, right? That's when we'll have the explosions and stuff. It'll be good. <clears throat> Nothing? You guys are asleep. So I do hope you guys had a, an amazing holiday season. Happy New Year. How was it? <laughs> this is a good topic for today. You'll see. So uh, little known fact about me, or maybe well-known, if you know me at all, is uh, New Year's has not historically been a very joyful time of year for me. And I'm, what I mean by that is while most of the world celebrated and partied and watched a ball drop and wore silly glasses and stuff, I kind of find it depressing. I mean, found it depressing. And uh, now listen, yes, it could be some of my sort of Eeyore ways coming out, as my mom would say. Uh, and I'm not saying that that may not be part of it. I tend to probably naturally be the, the glass, glass, glasses half full kind of guy, uh, <clears throat> or half empty, whatever it is. Overall, though, I think for me, I don't know about you guys, but New Year's kind of just symbolizes the passing of time, and the older you get, right, the, the, the more real that gets, and the scarier that gets, and the more you realize how fast it's went, right? <clears throat> and people told me that all the time. They still do. Right? They tell me all the time, hey, you know, it goes in the blink of an eye. I'm like, whatever, man. Some of you, you middle schoolers and high schoolers, you're doing that right now. You're like, hey, old man, everything's great. But you're going to be the old man. It's going to happen. And uh, not that I'm old, you know. But um, it just reminds me of the passing of time, of like moments that have passed. So I'm very sentimental. So instead of being like, hey, it was a great year, I'm kind of like, that's over. I'll never have it again. <clears throat> and I think it, it sort of served as a reminder of all the things I didn't accomplish over the last year. You know? <clears throat> now, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, and I do hope you feel the complete opposite of that. I really do. I hope you are one of those joyful, happy New Year's resolution kind of people. But the reality is, statistics and studies, um, despite all the parties, despite the Christmas gifts, 
uh, despite family time, despite the New Year's parties and New Year's kisses and the hope of New Year's resolutions, statistics point out that a lot of people out there actually feel the way I do. I don't know if you know that. In fact, starting with the Christmas season and ending with what's called Blue Monday. Anyone ever heard of Blue Monday? That's a recent thing for me. Third Monday of January is considered to me the most depressing day of the year. Isn't that weird? Now, some of you don't circle that and like use that, but it is called the most depressing day of the year. So essentially what they say, if you go out a season, it's from sort of the Christmas season, right, after Thanksgiving, starting in December, all the way through January. <clears throat> and I could go on to that, you know, suicide rates are higher, all of that stuff during this time of year. Now, isn't that interesting? Because we say it's this joyful time of year, and we got the hope of a new year and all those kinds of things. Um, <clears throat> and some, so sometimes, New Year, even though it's supposed to be exciting, according, apparently statistically, uh, it brings anxiety and discouragement. Anyone ever feel anxious, discouraged a little bit? Yeah, okay, good, I'm not alone. Thanks for being honest. <clears throat> and, and what you've got to assume during these times is don't assume someone's smile is indicative of the real heart. You know what I mean by that? A lot of people smile really well, and they've been trained to do that no matter how they feel, right? Smiles can hide a lot of things. <clears throat> now, the experts give us a variety of reasons for the factors, as far as the factors for what causes this. So one is sad. I bring this up all the time. I think I have this seasonal something disorder, right? I don't remember what it is. But essentially, when the sun goes away and it gets cold without the sun, vitamin D, right? We need that. We get depressed. We get down. So they, it starts with that. But there's a quote from Yahoo News, which, by the way, do not, that is not a trustworthy news source. But I think it's very good in the way that it's kind of wrapped up. They say this. The theory goes that it's this time of year when we're all cold, broke, and riddled with guilt that our New Year's resolutions to get fit drink less alcohol, and be a better human being have fallen by the wayside. That means we failed, right? And I think the last sentence is probably, in my opinion, I'm guessing here, if you feel this way, the primary reason why we feel that way, why we get down. We may say it's all the other stuff, right? Guilt and being broke, but that's the thing, right? If you're broke, your mind told you last year, well, this year I'm not going to be broke. This year I'm going to get out of debt. This year, right? That's what we tend to do. Don't get depressed. We're, we're going to talk about this. i got to tell you reality before we get to the better reality. <clears throat> so it's kind of a reminder that we failed, that we didn't change, right? that our lives are the same. And if you don't enjoy where you're at in life, and you went a whole year without anything changing, that almost just piles on. You get what I mean? So it's like the reality right, of the situation has hit you again. So you mix that with the passing of time, and you'd only have so many years left if you're lucky, and all of a sudden you kind of end up with this big pile of, oof, right? So we realize that our lives are the same, that we're just living in the same old thing. We're no more fit, we're no more wealthy, we're no more successful, we still struggle with the same issues, and most importantly, we're still sad, still depressed. Now, I'm under no illusion that there aren't a lot of you out there that have been sad for a long time, and you cover it with the smiles, right? And you do what you're supposed to do. That's good, man. That's honorable. Especially, you know, I think men especially. There's a lot of men in here. We won't ever say it, but we struggle with that. And the world, listen, the world doesn't care how we feel. That's reality a lot of times, particularly for men. Ladies, that's true. 
And don't assume, right, that your husband's doing great just because he's saying he's doing great. That's how we've been trained. <clears throat> Tim, you're going to have to get the air going in here. I'm going to pour sweat. It's going to be gross. <clears throat> if you're cold, I'm so sorry. It's better than me, like, dripping. Then you'll be disgusted, and you'll be, you know, looking at me weird. I'll have to take my shirt off. We'll all vomit. It'll be bad. Um, <clears throat> so we're still depressed. Listen, the lie creeps in in these times of year, at that time of year, if that's you. The lie creeps in that things will always be that, this way. I mean, be honest with yourself. We'll say we're going to change, but deep down, there's a part of some of you in this room that says, it's hopeless. It's always going to be this way, whatever this way is to you. That we can tell ourselves it'll be different this time, that we'll keep our resolution this year, and that it won't be the same old thing, but in our head, we're just like, who am I kidding? Because deep down, we often think that we'll never be more than we are. That we can't and won't ever really change. And sometimes, and this is the part that, that maybe some of you, sometimes we get that thing we thought was going to make everything okay. And I talked about that last time we talked. If I get that girlfriend, if I get that boyfriend, if I get that, that promotion, everything's awesome. And then all of a sudden, the New Year's here, and you're like, I thought things were going to be awesome. Right? And things are still, they still feel the same. We think that it's, we're just lying to ourselves because deep down, nothing, will never be anything more than we are, that we can't and won't ever really change. That this is it, that life is meant to be survived and not lived. Now again, you're all going to share the quotes where you say that's not true and I'm going to grasp life. But listen, we share a lot of things on social media, right? It doesn't mean that's the reality of what we live in. And I hope that you do, but, but I think... No matter who you are, there's times where that doesn't feel true. <clears throat> oh, you know, we may smile, but inside we put, we, uh, put our head down, we say our prayers, and we just kind of uh, accept the fact that we have to grind our way into the new year, right? That's what I do, just grind. So we do our, our best to distract ourselves, which I think is interesting about New Year's, right? Everybody drinks, right? That's what the world does. Let's get trashed. That's weird. Why are, you, why are you getting trashed if you're celebrating something? you think you'd want to be aware. That ain't shaming anyone if you got trashed last night. I'm just telling you, right? Why do we do that, really? What's the point, really? <clears throat> I think it's a distraction a lot of times. So we do our best to distract ourselves as we go back to the same old things. Now, here's the odd thing about our culture in general, in America really around the world, self-help books are hugely popular. Do you guys know that? Self-help books huge, right? And I'm not saying they're all bad. Self-help's cool, right? You want to work, you want to grind, I'm all about that. But, so we have self-help books that are hugely popular. We have sayings like, new year, new me. Right? New year, new me. Talk about growing, but here's the thing. We don't really believe people can change. I'm serious. We don't really believe people can change because it's sort of like, it's just this thing we say. And before you say, Todd, that's not true. Really? How many times have you ever heard this? Hey, people don't really change. Something happens, right? This, this guy got in trouble again. Hey, man, people don't really change. Or the other saying, right? Hey, once a, insert a noun, always a, insert a noun. You get what I mean? Once a cheater, always a cheater. Once a liar, always a liar. Once a this, once a that. Why do we have those sayings if we don't, if we believe people can change? I mean, Right? 
Why would we have those sayings? Because we can tell ourselves what we want, but we don't believe people can really change. Do you know why? Because a lot of times people don't change. But I can't talk. New Year, can't talk. But just because someone can't change or doesn't change doesn't mean they can't change. So all this, if we think about it, can lead to a pretty depressing and hopeless outlook. And that's why I actually believe most New Year's resolutions fail. It's not because we actually fail, but it's because we don't even try. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. A lot of you are beating yourself up, and it's going to sound negative, but it ends positive. You're beating yourself up because you didn't succeed in last year's New Year's resolution. But here's the truth. If you're honest with yourself, you never tried it. You never tried it. And that's the secret that most people live in. See, here's the thing. There's this kind of strange trick you play on yourself. If I don't really try, I can always tell myself, maybe I could have done it if I tried. And so you don't. But here's the thing. You beat yourself up anyway. You set yourself up to be beat up regardless. We're defeated before we're ever even trying. And this is just as evident in the church, guys. And I think I said this over break. We, (laughs) Christianity... In America, Christians, and I'm one of them, so I can say this. I'm allowed to, right? We are crazy. I'm not, we are literally nearly lunatics. And, I, and, and you know, I, <laughs> I'm being very nice about it. We're crazy people. It's not a good, this isn't the good crazy yet, okay? But you're right. <clears throat> How in the world, listen to me, and why do I think we're crazy? Well, we live halfway like we believe this crazy thing, but don't apply it to life. I'm serious. So I've always felt this way. If you don't actually believe Christ is who he said he was, and this is some of you in this room, if, you're, if you are a long-term churchgoer, if you're new, hey, you're at least seeking. If you're a long-term churchgoer and you're in your mind, you're like, you don't live this out like it's true, what's wrong with you? And I don't mean that in a mean way. Why would you ever want to play this game if it's not real, because I'm going to tell you right now, if, this, if Christ wasn't Christ, and I've said this, if you're close to me, I shouldn't say this, pastors aren't supposed to say this, if, G, if, I did, if, if I wasn't certain that Jesus was who he said he was, and this is all real, I would not choose this religion. And it's not because we're not nice people. We're not. We're all messed up. We come and play these weird games. We think, you know, it's just a strange, a strange culture if you really think about it. That's a whole different sermon. Here's my point. How in the world can we say or think people can't change? And don't you say, you? oh, I do. No, you don't. Because when someone sins in a way that you think is, well, they're just terrible people. We can't ever trust them again because they did this. If we can't trust them again, what are we really saying? That it's not possible to change. That someone can't make a mistake and not do it again which then bleeds into our own lives because you don't really believe it about yourself. That's why you don't tell people your struggles. You don't tell people your real struggles, the stuff you're ashamed of in church because you know what's going to happen most places. They're going to say the right things, but their eyes and their tone and all that stuff's going to show you the truth, right? How in the world can we say or think people cannot change? Because the very basis and foundation of our faith is that God, through Jesus Christ, Turn sinners into saints. That's not, that's not a joke. Turn sinners into saints. Takes hearts of stone. This is just in the Bible. God calls them hearts of stone. Some of y'all got hard hearts, right? I get it. And they make them hearts of flesh. Soften their heart. He takes the dead and brings them to life. 
And you're all going, nice symbolism, Todd. No, it's not simple. That's what I mean about you're crazy. You either believe it or you don't. Just so you're aware, you understand that if you call yourself a Christian, you believe a man rose from the dead. I just want to make that clear. That you've accepted the reality that the supernatural is a curse. You can't have it both ways. Some people are like, well, I'm a Christian, Todd, but frankly, that, that's just silly. Then you are silly because you're be- I don't even know what you're believing. Right? Our hope rests on the fact that this God-man was raised from the dead and did everything he said he did. So we believe in change. I'm serious. Let that sink in. Everything about our faith is based on change, right? Once he turns us from sinners into saints, which has nothing to do with us, then our life begins to change, right, to reflect what we've, we've newly become. You get what I'm saying? Let me put it this way. It takes people a while for the outside to catch up with the inside. That's just reality. Everything about our faith is based on change and hope for better days ahead. Over and over in the Bible, and I'll never forget, I think I, this was last year, two years ago maybe. Some of you are like, I've known this forever. This kind of blew my mind. I, I just, it finally jumped out of, of the Bible. By the way, that's what it means when it says the Bible is living. You'd be reading it all, so you can read the same thing 15 times, and all of a sudden God's like, look at this. I'm like, how did I miss that? Right? But over and over in the Bible, I still remember when I saw this, God calls himself the God of hope. Did you know that? May the God of all hope, Paul says, fill you with this. The God of hope. Over, isn't that interesting? And if you were here for he, right, I am, when we talk about the names of God, that's one I didn't even go into. God calls himself hope. That's a powerful thing. What is hope? Right? What is it? Hope is all about the belief, the faith, that better things are ahead. Let, I know. It's, it's New Year. Late night, I'm proud of you for being here, right? We can make fun of the ones that didn't come here. We're going to shame them later because that's what we're all about. I'm just kidding, right? <clears throat> but let that thing in. Hope is not, we don't sit around and go, man, I can't wait to get shot, right? We don't think I hope for negative things. That's my point. You get what I mean? I can't wait to lose my job. No one does that. Hope is about a positive thing, about things getting better. That God will do what he says he's going to do and that we can look we cannot just rest in the fact that he's going to do what he says he's going to do, but that we can look forward in excitement to the future. And listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm preaching this to me because I am a little bit Eeyore. All right? I always tell people, I'm not negative. I'm just a realist. You know what that is? That's just my excuse to be negative. That's all it is. <clears throat> I don't know why Jaden's nodding so strongly. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> just kidding. You've gotten to know me already. Um, so today I want to talk about two things. Look forward to the future, what's to come. Those aren't the two things. I was repeating myself. So today I want to talk about two things. I'm serious. You're getting, you're getting kind of two sermons in one. I think that's a pretty good deal for New Year's. What do you think, Jill? Yeah? Nice. <clears throat> Can we change? I'm serious. Can you change? And I want you to know something. Do you know that God cares about your weight loss goal? I'm serious. That's silly, right? He doesn't, why wouldn't he care about that? Do you care about it? Is it important to you? God cares about the fact that you want to get your finances in order. I'm talking about the small things, okay? And it's weird. Those seem so big, aren't, don't they? But in eternity, they're pretty small. That he cares about your marriage getting better. That he cares about you getting more friends. That he cares about you getting more fit. That he cares about all of these things that you hope and dream for. That he cares about it. 
So when I talk about this, in case you're one of the ones, well, I don't have anything big. I just have weight loss or finances or whatever. That's big because your father loves you. So of course it's big. And those with kids, I'm telling you, I never understood it. I thought I did, right? You care about the little things, don't you? You care about the little things that they want. Can we change? Can you really change? And then we start there, and it goes all the way to, man, I want to beat this addiction. Right? Man, I want, to, I want to be more patient. I want to be more kind. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more trusting. I want to dive into community. I want to be different. I want to grow in my faith. Some of you don't even know the goal you really want. Right? I want, uh, you know, I'm tired of being so angry. You don't even know the, you know, God's, if you're willing to do that, God's going to take some, or maybe you're so angry because you don't have any friends, you don't have any friends because you don't trust anyone, you don't trust anyone because you got hurt. You see what I mean? It all goes down the line. So the thing I want to talk about is can we change, can you really change? <clears throat> the answer, clearly, I'm going to give you a little, uh, give you a clue here. The answer is a strong yes, you can change. You can. And it doesn't matter the goal. You can do it. You can do it. I believe that. And secondly, do we and do you, and this has been very relevant in my life as of late, both in the lives of friends, myself, family, do you settle into sadness? Do you accept that being sad, down, depressed is just a part of life? In fact, maybe there's a part of you that's taken verses like, this life will have trials, and you turn that into an acceptance that life in Christ is actually worse than it was before you knew him. I've talked to some of you. You've said that. You've said, hey, Todd, and I love it, your honesty. Do you ever wish sometimes that you didn't know? When they say that, that's honest, but what you're doing is you're buying into the lie, right, that this life is worse than that. That, you were, that the world is actually happier than you. Here's a, here's a newsflash. Remember what I said earlier. Don't take someone's smile as indicative of what they actually feel. If that happens within the church, trust me that the sanitized, clean, whitewashed, shiny life that you're showing on social media and TV and all of those things, I'm telling you right now, it's not true. Probably 90% of that is not true. They're doing the same thing you're doing. I'm going to fake it till I make it. The audit, the thing is, you never make it. Because faking it isn't part of making it, right? Now, I've said that before, but I mean, we'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Is that true? And I know for a fact some of you believe this. See, that's the thing with Christianity. It's such an odd thing, man. There's kind of two extremes. And it's like we don't know how to settle in the truth. So because we view it as negative, we're like, we can't talk about sin Right, Because people need to be encouraged and loved. We can't talk about sin and holiness, so whatever you do is good. And that doesn't make people happy. They may seem like it, right? That doesn't make people happy. Well, then it's like, well, the only way to happiness is holiness, and I must force them into being holy, and I'm going to do that by scaring them all the time and reminding them that they're pieces of trash. That's the reality. And certainly that doesn't make you happy. The truth is, right, holiness and happiness, holiness and joy go together. They do. We just buy into this weird lie. This year, 
if the Lord lets me, and this is a little side note, that thought I just said is something I'm going to expand on this year. And I've said before, I've joked, if you've been here a while, I said, man, there's things I want to say that I'm not sure if I should say and people are ready for, right, and regarding the gospel. And I don't mean I have some new revelation, but I do think that there's some stuff that's not talked about because it's scary because pastors and leaders are afraid of what you're going to do with that truth. But it's important to understand it. This stuff is way more radical than you think. This is way crazier than you think about who you are, how you are, how God sees you once you've accepted Christ, all of those things. That was your third sermon. So, is it true? Is, is it, we just accept that being sad and depressed, and then guess what? It's fine. We'll be miserable because when we die, we get to go to heaven. People live that way. Some of you live that way, and God bless you that you have the faith to, to wake up, and that, you know, that pr- proves your salvation, that you've, you've accepted that kind of life, and you still follow. You may follow very slowly and very sadly, but you follow. But that's not what the Father wants for you. It's not. So we're going to talk about that. So i got a lot to do today. How are we doing on time? Not too bad. So we're going to talk about all of those things. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read a couple big chunks today. Big chunks. Now, for you contextual people, stick around to the end here. Because you're going to be like, Todd, how does that fit with what you're saying? <laughs> uh, hermeneutics. Anyway. Don't know what that is. Good. Anyway, um, you don't need to know the word. Yeah, we're going to talk about some big sections. All right, and these are sections that man, I could you could do a series on. But today we're going to kind of read the whole things, and we're going to pull out some things that apply to what we have and what we're talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Context: The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and telling them, "Hey, hey, 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 hey! You jumped ahead." Hey, just kidding. I mean, you did, but um, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's doing what he always has to do. He's reminding them of the way it's supposed to be, the way things are. He's kind of combating some things that have seeped into the church, some lies they're believing, all those things. So here we are, chapter 4. Here He says, <clears throat> well, that is not the section that I want, I do not believe. Um, well, I'm going to read it, and they'll find it. Okay, so whether that's them or me, I'll take the blame. It's probably me. There, he says this. Therefore, I say and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They're darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous. That means hardened, right? Like a callous. And gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away, pay attention to all the verbs here, okay? That means action stuff. Putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. Boy, that, that one will punch you, 
right? You can justify saying a lot of things because it's for their good. When it, is it really? I know I do that. So that it gives grace to those who hear and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. It's a big section, isn't it? There's a lot there. <clears throat> so this is kind of getting close-ish, <clears throat> you know, to the end of this, this part of what he's talking about, and he kind of shifts gears a little bit, but This can tell us a lot about change, right? He's talking to the church in Ephesus. So if he's talking to the church, who is in the church? Who is he assuming is in the church? Christians, right? Saints. So if he's talking to saints, why is he having to tell them how to act? How is he ha- why is he having to tell them what to do? Because just because we're transformed on the inside doesn't mean that the outside is going to catch up with that right away, like I said earlier. Paul, in fact, tells us in, in um, Romans, right, chapter 7, he says, listen, I do what I don't want to do and don't do what I want to do. He talks about these two things inside of him, these two parts of him, the old him, new year, you guys with me, and the new him. And he says they're kind of at war. <clears throat> And so we have a part in this. So my point to bringing this up before I go on more is don't beat yourself up because you make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up because you fail because, listen, so did the early saints. If you had to tell them to act a certain way, that means they were doing the opposite, right? That means what? That they were not, um, that there were thieves stealing. Why would he say, there was a thief in the church who's like, you know what, man, yeah, I know Jesus. That's mine. He assumed there was a thief in the church. Boy, that could be a whole sermon. Do you know that? Is your God big enough to let a thief be in your church? How about an adulterer? How about a criminal? That's what he does. And it's really, really cool. <laughs> because he says thief, right? He calls him thief. But he says, you shall no longer walk as the Gentiles do, excluded from God because the ignorance is in them. So, I, I like, in a weird way, he's calling him by the name the world calls him to remind him of who he actually is. You know what I'm saying? Listen, you're not going to steal anymore because you're not actually a thief. You're a saint. That's who you were. This is who you are. And that's the comparison. He starts with a comparison of this is how it is to not know Jesus. And then verse 20 says, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you've heard about him or taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So take off your former way of life. Take it off. Verb. Action. You have a part in that. That's the other thing Christians do sometimes. We say, all right, I've prayed to no longer be an alcoholic, so I'm not an alcoholic. Listen, God does that sometimes. He can. He can miraculously do that, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes the faith is, will you walk when it's hard? Right? The same with the thief. We have to assume if this thief was a saint, he either didn't know I'm not supposed to steal anymore, or he struggled with it. Either way, he had to be reminded of who he actually is. He had to choose to act differently than he naturally did. You get what I'm saying? No? 
I'll throw a podium. All right. <laughs> so, so funny, people want that. Anyway, so I'm going to give you a list. I got two lists for you today, man. I'm coming in the new year swinging, left and a right. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll, we'll come back, we'll kind of reference back and forth between this section. So keys to real change. We got that, fellas? Perfect. Number one, listen, then we can take this. You got to walk the walk. What do I mean by that? You actually have to do different things over and over and over again. So fitness is a big one, right? I'm going to say that like this. I can't control my sweat. There's nothing to do about that. But you can control your actions, all right? So fitness is one of those things. Let's talk about that as sort of symbolism, all right? You're a person in the room, and you say, I know some of you did this. I know you because it's a New Year's resolution. This year, I'm going to lose X amount of pounds. I'm going to get fit, whatever, okay? And I think that's awesome. Here's the thing. You can do it. The problem is you're not going to do it in a day, and that's the issue is some of you get discouraged because you eat, right, or you drink five Diet Cokes instead of a regular Coke that week, and the next week you get on that scale so excited because you, you know that's going to be 20 pounds down. That's not how science works. It's not how the body functions. Trust me, okay? I'm with you, all right? I'm going to brag a little but also admit some defeat here. So in, since end of, I don't remember, September, all right, I've lost 18 pounds, right? That's not, the, that's not the end. Thank you. I mean, yeah, suck up, clap. But that's not the point. Here's what actually happened. My goal, if, and some of you I told this, was to lose 30 by the end of the year. Guess what? Didn't happen. I've been stuck, right, at this same weight for a long time. And now, naturally, because I didn't reach my goal, I'm always like, well, it was all worthless. Instead of looking at the fact that's almost 20 pounds down, right? In fact, I've gotten to 20 and then hovered back to 18, so I just call it an average, right? <clears throat> Fitness is a great one because, listen, you have got to consistently do different things if you want to reach your goal. And I thought, you know, I've worked out, I love to work out, so that part was easy for me. So even when I was 20 pounds heavier, I could do some stuff. You know, I could play basketball, all those things. I, but losing weight, I kept telling myself that I, I didn't understand it. I would even say I'm a scientific anomaly. That's a lie. You know what the truth was? I wasn't really counting my calories. You know, apparently I wasn't counting those five cookies every day. That wasn't being counted. I don't know how it slipped through. But that's the reality. And the truth was I wasn't consistently being different because here's the, here's the reality. I lost, I literally lost weight every week for like 12 weeks, every week. And it was embarrassing. I don't say that bragging because I was walking around going, I don't understand. There's nothing different. You know, I don't get it. I don't understand why I can't lose weight. All it took was consistency. So using that as symbolism here, right? Coming back to it, you have got to act differently and be prepared to act differently over and over and over again, right? You want to be more kind? You're going to have to force yourself to be more kind. If that means you got to write a note in your truck, at your, in your toolbox, you got to put it on your phone, one of those backgrounds, you got to listen to a, some podcast, I don't care. You have got to choose to be kind. Here's the thing, when you don't feel kind. Because consistency has nothing to do with what you feel like doing. That's not. That's the problem. Consistency has nothing. You want a better marriage? Stop worrying about whether they are being better. You be better. And here's the thing that's hard. It's hard. I know this to be a fact. You've got to consistently be better. A lot of times, you know, I'll say, I pick on... I don't know, I'll pick on women. I picked on guys earlier a little bit, right? Or did I not? I think I encouraged them. I'll pick on guys. <clears throat> you know, 
you, you think, okay, I didn't yell at my wife this week. I'm doing good, right? And then the next week, you, you know, she, and, and the real reason you didn't yell is she didn't upset you. You get what I mean? You don't know if you're making any headway until you see how you're being and how you're acting when it's not easy to act that way. And that's what Paul tells us here. How do I know that? Well, listen to what he says. Put away lying. Speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Because remember, be angry and do not sin. <laughs> that is difficult. That is a mystery, right? Sometimes I think I justify going, it's holy anger, man. I'm allowed to. Right? No. <clears throat> How do I know? What, what's, what's, I'll tell you what uh, unholy angry is when it doesn't build someone up, right? When it's not for their good. All of these things he says, right? Take off the old you, the old way of life. Be renewed. Be renewed. There's an action there. There's a part that we have to play. You need to accept that, yes, sometimes God, and he has done it, miraculously takes away the addiction. Praise him for that. right? Praise God for those miracles. But just because it takes you longer doesn't make it any less of a miracle. You get what I mean? When he healed one blind man, he just said, you're not blind. Another one, he had to spit in some mud and rub it on there. You get what I mean? Don't worry about how he does it. Do your part in whatever that is. You want to grow in your faith. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. You want to grow in your faith. You have got to be uncomfortable. I could go on and on. You know, one of the things about the remnant, and I don't know if I should say this. This is where I get in trouble by our leaders because I just start saying stuff. And this is one of those times. So... I, Luke, I know you're with me, but I'm telling you, I get in trouble all the time. So what happens here is this. <clears throat> we are an interesting church. I am so excited. Now, today, it's New Year's. We are growing big time, okay? I'm telling you, it's crazy. And before you're all like, well, it still seems like a small church. You don't know the state of the, of the church in America. God is blessing us, and it's incredible, and I'm excited. It's an exciting time. But what I've noticed, too, is we're the church that people want to be a part of, but not really be a part of. They want to visit. I'm not, I'm not talking to you visitors. You've got to look long term. I'm talking about people. They, they, they love coming to the house, but they don't want to live here. Right? And I take that as a compliment a little bit because I, I, I'm hoping and I, I get it that you see what we're trying to do and you realize that in order to do it, it's going to be uncomfortable. Let me tell you something community, not comfortable. People assume that I'm just this like, hey, I, that's, that's a smooth guy that likes community. Hey, all right, that I just love coming out and having to Listen, I'm just like you. There's times I don't want community, but community can't be about you. Community has to be about other people because here's the trick. If you are loving me and I am loving you, we're all loved. But if you say I'm not going to love him because he might not love me, somebody's not getting loved. You get what I mean? Well, I, I don't like it because they told me I was doing something wrong or they asked me questions. I don't want to be asked. Okay. You would not like Paul. You would not like Jesus, right? So, and that goes for a lot of places. So I want to say that. I hear that a lot. Man, this year I want to grow in my faith. Are you willing to do different things? Are you willing to do different things than other Christians that you know? Than what the world says a Christian is. I go to church on Sunday every week. I'll never forget it. I bring it over and over. It's one of the most eye-opening things. A guy says to me, he was in a leadership position, he says, what more do you want from me? I go to church and I give my tithe. Are you kidding me? That's what he said. That's how we've been brainwashed to think. And that's the sad truth about the state of the church is because our hearts want more than it is. But it seems impossible because 
we're supposed to get it without giving. And I'm not talking money. I mean getting in, right, being involved, taking those. It's just how it is. And that doesn't mean your reasons are bad. You might have been hurt. I was terribly hurt by the church. I cannot tell you. I raged about the church last week. I'm just being real with you. And, and yes, Remnant, we're a part of the church. And we, we, you know, we have problems too. And because we miss so many people, man. We miss so many hurting, broken people. You have to walk the walk. You have to want to be different enough to actually act differently, which means you got to be real with yourself. Are you the guy that drank five Diet Cokes in a week, got on the scale, didn't see a difference, and then quit? What if Peter did that? What if Peter quit every time he failed? Any of the disciples. What if David quit? What if Moses quit? You can't. You've got to keep walking. That's why the most beautiful thing, guys, is so deep. I want you to get a love for the word of God, for Jesus is telling you. Listen to this. What does he say over and over? Follow me. That's all he says. Follow me. Because here's the thing. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, right? And you know that verse too. What is seeking the kingdom of God? It's following him. If you follow him, everything falls into place. You don't wonder, why am I doing it? I don't see the results. You're trusting that wherever he's leading you, However, it doesn't make sense, it's going to lead you to where you need to be and honestly where you want to be. How do I know that? Because he said, I will work all things out for the good of those who believe according to my purposes. He wants good for you. That's hard to do. It's hard to walk when he has to take you through a valley, right? Or it's hard to walk when you don't see how it's going to end. But you have to keep doing it. You want to change this year? You want to really change? Be patient and walk the walk. Number two, this is part of kind of the same one. You can't walk with the crowd. You've got to be willing to be different. Even in mainstream Christianity, I cannot tell you, I've been told this by people, you take this God thing too seriously. I've been told that, you know, uh, that's not how it's done. Um, things that are directly in the Bible, well, that's not, what, that's not how it's done. I've never seen a church that does it that way. Right? Somebody in this room, I ain't going to say her name. They used to do that to me all the time, and I said, do not say that to me anymore. I do not care how other churches did it, right? I don't care. And it came from a good place. And that doesn't mean that there aren't churches doing it right. What I'm saying is the overall culture that we've accepted as Christian, right, when even 67, it might be 50, I just read the stats last week, it's getting lower, right? But even if 50% of Americans say they're Christians, we clearly know that's not true, right? We all know that. So what I'm saying is if you think being different means going with the crowd, you're crazy. You're going to have to do different things. You're gonna ha- are you willing to look weird? Some of you aren't willing to look weird. And I'm going to remind you, just in case you forget, you're not willing to look weird, and you follow a man who died and rose from the dead. But you don't want to look weird. You understand what I'm saying? You're already weird. You are a weirdo. Just accept it. That's reality. You know, being a cool Christian itself, what is it? You know what I've learned about being a cool Christian? And I trust me, I went to a Christian college for, that, that's all about, like, how can I be cool, man, and still love Jesus, right? Wear my tight pants and my flannels, and, you know, which I like flannel. I like flannel. I got some myself, but I'm, you know what I mean. What's that haircut where you sweep it to the side? I don't have it. <clears throat> you have to walk the walk. And you, have, you can't walk with the crowds. You got to be willing to be different. 
You can't assume that because other people aren't doing what you're doing in whatever capacity, because again, I want you to think I'm talking to you about what your goal is, because it's going to apply regardless. It's going to look different. Okay, well, what do you, Todd, how does that fit in with this section here? Well, well, that whole first paragraph in Ephesians talks about this. Therefore, I say and testify, Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their own understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with desire for more and more. But that is not, that is not how you came to know Christ. And this is so interesting, assuming you heard about him and were taught about him. As the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life to be renewed, all these things. So he's telling Christians to do that, right? You've got to do these things. So if he's telling Christians to do that, the implication I said at the beginning that there's Christians who don't, right? You with me? You get what I'm saying? Why would he say be renewed if there weren't Christians, saved people that weren't being renewed, weren't acting different, weren't taking off the old way? So yes, certainly I mean the world. You certainly aren't going to be, you cannot walk with the world and be different. And I'm talking about even weight training goals. Listen, you know the old joke? I'm just using that because it could be anything. Everybody's in the gym, right? Uh, January 1st, December 30th, I, I can attest to this, whole different matter. And that's not a shame thing, it's just that shows you. People are there with the crowd, but when it's you and when your friends start dropping off, do you, do the same? Do you, do you stop too? Your spouse, whatever, apply it to whatever you want. You have got to be willing to be different. And in the church, it's the same way. Listen, I cannot tell you, and I do not mean this arrogantly, how many Christians, and they are saved, these are saved people, are ignorant of the word of God. That means they don't know the Bible. And a lot of our misunderstandings, a lot of the lies that get spread in the church that create the culture that we don't want, that we know is wrong, doesn't come from people's bad motives, it comes from people's ignorance. Because they hear someone say something, and they just accept it because he's at a pulpit. Instead of comparing it and reading the word of God and saying, is that what it says, right? The sermon comes in that way, right? We know something. Something doesn't match up. Number three, I got to move, man. I told you two sermons in one. This seems like it's all one. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's more than that, David. I'm giving you two. Number three, act like it's already it's, whatever it is for you. Act like it's already who you are. I'm going to go back to the thief. He needs to act like he's not a thief. You know what I mean? Sometimes I can't tell if you're thinking or you don't get what I'm saying. All right? You have to act like it's already true of you. So, right, when you start eating right, go that again, good symbolism. When you start working out, aren't you acting fit before you're fit? And in the process of acting fit and getting healthy, what happens? You become fit and healthy. You have to start acting and behaving as though it's already true. But what if people tell you it's not true? That goes back to number two. Are you willing to be different? Right? Do you believe that? I can already tell some of you already checked out. You're like, yeah, that sounds great, man, for weight loss, but it doesn't apply to, you know, my finances because I'm almost bankrupt. Then you're silly. You didn't get in this situation in one day. You're not going to get out in one day. Faith involves walking being different. Act like it's already who you are. Because guess what? It is who you are. You're a saint. Right? Think about that. You think the saints, right? You think your glorified body, for instance, is going to be out of shape? I'm just asking, you think that? 
I already told you, I, I'm, I'm hoping for like a rock-looking body without the roids. He's taking roids. Anyway, <clears throat> if you think that comes from drinking Zoas, you're wrong. Because uh, I've been drinking them. It doesn't work. <clears throat> no, saints aren't. You think a saint isn't gonna, wouldn't be a good spouse? You think a saint um, wouldn't be kind, loving? We already know that. You are what you are. Now act like it. Stop worrying about if other people believe you. Because God knows your heart, and you know your heart, right? And get you some buddies. If you have someone in your life that isn't supporting you, making positive changes in whatever case that is, you need new friends. I'm going to say that again. What if it's my spouse? You don't get that option. You're going to have to go back to what I said earlier. Just be a better spouse. Act like it's already hard. Number four, be positive. Be positive. I know. This is one of those hokey messages, right? You're, all, you're used to like... I don't want to say any names, but people who smile really big and tell you everything's going to be great tomorrow. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can be positive even when things aren't great tomorrow. I struggle with this. This is one that Todd is looking in the mirror on. Ryan's smiling. You're right, Ryan. It shows itself in flag football particularly. Um, <clears throat> I have to be positive. You have to be positive. And it says that up here, right? Be kind, compassionate, forgiving one another. All these things, man, building up someone in need. Give grace to those who hear. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, the one created to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. That's positive things. I'm going to renew myself. He doesn't say, hey, change everything about you, filthy animal. No. Renew yourself, right? That's a positive thing. Be positive. You already won. Guys, listen to me. We're going to talk about this at the end. You've already won. If you put your faith in Jesus, and I struggle with this too, our minds can't quite comprehend it. It's over. It's finished. It was finished 2,000 years ago. We win. We know how the story ends. You're a winner. And you're so used to hearing that that you're like, this is not true. Yeah, but see, they tell you you're a winner, but they don't tell you to act like one. You're a winner. It's already over. It's finished. And number five, and this is a big one. You're like, how does this, you want to change? You want to be better? Make the primary focus God and other people. Make the primary focus God and other people. Well, Todd, how does that apply to my fitness? Well, you're supposed to take care of the temple, right? When you're focused on God, right, how are you going to be a good father if you're not healthy? I'm using it as a symbolism here, not shaming anyone. Uh, a good mother if you're not healthy. How are you going to, all of these things, right? When you focus on God, doing hard things becomes easier. Because all of our issues, our struggles, our obstacles seem a lot smaller. They just do. It's like, I just had this happen. I'll share a little personal story. So I've been doing this cardio stuff in my attempt, and, there, and yesterday was horrible. It's one of those days, I'm serious, I wanted to quit. I'm not a quitter. So I do these little tricks to myself, and <clears throat> this is what I mean by focus sometimes. So I have to do this 30 minutes, right? I have to do it 30 minutes, and I really have to get so many calories. So I, I'm literally at 10 minutes, and I'm like, I'm, I have to quit. This is the most miserable thing. I hate this. I'm serious. This was a real miserable time. So what I do is I finished it. But what I do is I trick myself. I'm going to go, okay, I'm going to go two more minutes. I do this all the time. I'm just going to go two more minutes. And I get there, I'm like, I wasn't too bad. I'm going to go five more, right? And then I'll even, my brain, <laughs> my body's stupid. It doesn't, it trusts my brain, right? And my brain will say, hey, when it gets to the two on the clock, I'm a weirdo. I'm not even looking at the time. I don't even know time. I'm just breathing. I'm just like number. When it gets to the two, right, then I will keep moving. That's the same thing. All this stuff, right, all these things around us get smaller. Peter 
could walk on water. You know the story. Until what? He paid attention to what was going on around him. When he looked at Jesus, it was all good. When he took his eyes off, it's the same thing. You want to be kinder? You want to be more loving? You want to be all those things? Focus on God and focus on other people. You want to stop worrying more. You want your finance to be ordered. Do the right things. Follow him. Look at him. And all those worries, because anxieties and worries, they get us off track. You get what I mean? They become the focus instead of the goal. Keeping our eyes on God and other people. Guys, we are so selfish. You are a selfish person. I know it. Me too. Right? You know it. We can be so selfish sometimes. The way to cure that is not to wait until we're unselfish. It's to act unselfish. And when you do that, all those obstacles become smaller and we're able to focus on the things we're supposed to focus on. All right, end of sermon. That's what you wish. <laughs> no, we got more. So let's segue. You feel, you got, you got some at least, do you get what I'm saying? You see how this section can even apply to that? Because here's how I look at it. Paul's section here is about, in my opinion, far more serious things than our resolutions. And if he says it's possible for them to change those things, then it's possible for you to change. It has to be. But you've got to be willing to what? Primarily be different. Do different things. I want to shift a little bit to this because I'm going to take a specific thing that is a goal. That's what I'm going to segue. I want to hone in on one goal that many of us struggle with. Guys, listen, I've heard it said, this year I want to be happy. This year I want to, you know, the world will say things like, this year is going to be about me, right? And what they're really saying, they're not, they're probably not being selfish. What they're really saying is, I don't want to feel sad anymore. I don't want to feel hopeless anymore. And we have, we've accepted this really gray, dull, generic version of Christianity that I mentioned earlier in which it's normal to live in depression. In fact, it's almost glorified, right? If you're, in a, if you're in a life group or you're in a small group, you know, how often do you share praises? But you will share, well, everything sucks. And it's good to, again, everything in moderation, we should share those things. But sometimes it becomes the only focus. Sometimes our holiness, we try to act like our holiness is, a direct, um, is directly correlated with how hard our life is. If we're really holy, then, then we're miserable because Jesus was a man of suffering. You know what I'm saying? You get what I'm, you get, no, with me? Not or something because otherwise I'll be here all day. Circle your head. I'm going to assume that means yeah. <clears throat> we do. And this is something I'm wrestling with, and, and I don't plug this show a lot during a message, but we talked about this in Real Talk last week, which is our little podcast. And I listened to this singer, and maybe you guys, you guys know this guy named Bodie. He's, he's either on America's Got Talent or something. What's it called? The Voice. Okay. So he didn't win, but he's very popular, and he's a Christian. And I listened. I did not stumble on this. I'll, I'll give you brief. We'll talk about it very briefly. This guy got really popular. He's a Christian, and it was pretty cool. He has this song that came out that says, like, happy now. And they said, well, how did this song come about? And he said, you know, he's a very outgoing Christian. He said, I've noticed that most of the music on the radio glorifies depression. It glorifies sadness. We say a song is good if it makes us feel sad. You get what I mean? Think about it. And we want that. You know why? Because somehow misery loves company, and we want to be sucked into sadness. And he said this powerful phrase, man, I have no idea who this dude is. And he said, I decided to break up with depression. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he said, I'm going to break up with depression. And it was cool because he said, listen, it was like a, any breakup. Sometimes I miss it. How weird is that? 
Sometimes it comes calling again, but I know overall my life is happier, is better. That's so powerful because I think that's true all the time that we've accepted that God doesn't want us to be joyful and happy and that it's impossible. That's, I struggle with it. Well, how can you want me to be that way if life is this, right? Listen to this verse, Romans 14, 17. This is just a small little verse that we probably glance over. We got it or no, fellas? Yeah? I'm trying to wait, trying to wait, so they see it. There we go. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's just like a little end of a sentence. You want to, do you believe that? It says, listen, hey, kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. If you had peace and joy, would your life be better? Some of you are like, I don't know, you fibbers. Yes, it would. Right? If you wouldn't be nervous and scared and had happiness and joy and didn't wake up going, would it be? Of course it would. And what's incredible is the kingdom of God, which right, Colossians says, you've already, if you're a Christian, you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom. You're a member of the kingdom. That is naturally what you should be. The Bible says that the natural fruit of a Christian in its healthy environment is what? Peace, patience, love, joy. It doesn't feel that way for me. That's one of those fruits, man. I'm just not watering it well. So we're going to look at Philippians 4, it's a big section, I'm going to try to move fast, 4 through 13, and this is kind of called the joy chapter sometimes, right? Paul's writing to a church in Ephesus, just kidding, it's Philippi, just see if you're listening, right? And here's what he says at the end, just in the middle of all this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, exclamation point. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Graciousness also means kindness. The Lord is near. Ooh, I just, again, man, I told you, I could just preach on all that. Why should he rejoice? The Lord is near. If you knew God was with you right now, Truly behind you. Would you be afraid? If you could somehow know that. All right. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, that means asking. With thanksgiving, you're thanking him. Weird, you're asking him, already thanking him. Why? Because he wants good for you. You know he's going to give you an answer. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any, anything, any moral excellence, and if there's anything at all in your life praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Man, the God of hope and the God of peace. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. And you got to understand, Apostle Paul, real quick, his life was not good. I'm just being honest by our standards. The guy was put in jail. He's beat. He hit with a scorpion, snakes. It was bad news. <clears throat> I just wanted you to know that as, as you hear this next part. He said, you were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That's a, that's a famous verse, right? And that verse is even more powerful in the actual context, not just winning the football game, right? So what you do. If you're in sports, it's said all the time. <clears throat> because he's saying, what he's really saying is, doesn't matter the circumstances, I can make it through and be content and joyful, right? Because what? Because of him who's in me, he who strengthens me, him who is near me. 
Again, you say you believe. Sometimes you think belief means feeling. Well, I feel like God is near. That's not faith, right? You don't have to, be, you don't have to believe if you just look here. And he's there. You have to trust. You have to believe. <clears throat> so here's your second list. I got it for you, note takers, today. Keys to a joy-filled life. I was going to put keys to not being sad or, but I figured you wouldn't pay attention to that because that's what I want to say to myself. Number one, rejoice. And I put an exclamation point. That is a command. It's an action. It's a verb. I've said this. I can't. I, I preach this probably once a year. Was every day. Listen. See, you're not paying attention. You already hold. You you're already asleep. You're already out of here. So I'm just going to quit. No, I'm not because you know why. I'm going to keep doing things differently even when no one cares. You need to rejoice. You have to choose it. This is one I struggle with because I'm a very passionate guy. That's awesome when I'm in a good place. When I'm in a bad place, it's terrible because all that passion gets turned to other things. Okay. You have to choose to rejoice, and I'm with you in this. I think about this all the time. I can choose, and I did it. I've done it before, and I, that's what drives me nuts. There's times I've done it. I've come in. I sit in the car before I walk in here, and I say to myself, I'm going to go in today to work, and I'm going to be a joy bringer. That's what we call it around here, right, a joy warrior. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to act like it, and it's crazy. I come in, and I smiled when I didn't want to smile, and I did. I've done it before, Jess. You wouldn't believe it. You weren't even here to tell me. I've done it, and guess what happens? People, one, are happier around me. I can literally see it. And two, I'm happier. Before I know it, I'm not faking anymore. Before I know it, I'm not trying anymore. It just happens. You have to choose to rejoice. Choose to be happy. Choose to be positive. Choose to believe in hope that something's coming. I could stop there because I'm already like, Todd, that's not, give me something tangible. I just did. Some of you all want life change, but you don't want it. You're not willing to even do this. I want to be happier. Smile. Just try it. Otherwise, Jess will find you, and she'll tell you to. Right? Number two, be outward-focused, not inward-focused. You notice the pattern here? You want to be joyful? Stop focusing on your circumstances, how you feel all the time, and look out. Love people. Look to meet needs. Serve. Take care of the homeless and the widows. Pure and undefiled religion is this, right? Taking care of the widows and the orphans. Take care of the homeless. Feed people, love people, call people, see people, talk to people. Stop putting your responsibilities over human beings. Some of you all won't stay up 10 minutes past your bedtime to talk to someone that's hurting. But you expect that for yourself, right? Man, the world's just mean. Be outward focused. And again, it's the same thing. When you do that, and I've noticed it. I've noticed it for myself. When I'm the most miserable, I am worried. And I'm inward focused, and I'm focused on my circumstances. I'm focused on how I feel. I'm focused on all, what am I, what am I going to do? Instead of looking around, and the more you do that, the smaller your problems become because you get perspective. You get what I mean? Does that, do you get that? Do you know that I don't just say hokey, pastory things? I feel like I need to say this. Like, I actually believe this. I'm not writing you a book or something. Some of you all are so used to that kind of preaching. Like, yeah, just give me the list. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this again, and I'll offend you. Do this stuff, all right? You mean to really offend them? Should I do that? Quit being chumps. Do the stuff. Quit being arrogant chumps that think you know it all and try to do something different. Yeah, we'll see now. You're going you to be a big mouth. You're going to find out. All right, number three, count your blessings. 
What does it say? How do we know it? Well, let's look up here. <clears throat> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. What is that if not counting your blessings? If you got one singular thing in your life, one thing, and guess what? Every one of you do. You know what it is? You're breathing. If you have one thing, and, and I'm telling you right now, my eyes have been open to that reality this week, that I'm breathing, and there's people that aren't. You're breathing. If that's all you can hold on to today, hold on to it. But you know what? I can give you more. No, you can't touch. Really? Are you somewhat warm? <laughs> I know some of you are freezing, right? Did you eat in the last three days even? You got clothes on? Yeah. Can you hear? Can you see? Can you taste? Can you touch? Can you walk? Can you crawl? Can you wheel yourself around? Whatever it is, man. You have beautiful blessings in your life, and we've been taught to take those for granted. Count your blessings. Actually count them. I dare you. Count them up tonight. Yo, chumps, Christian chumps. Yeah, you. Do it. That's stupid advice. I already know that. Give me some deep hermeneutic thing. You don't even know what that means. Count your blessings. I've, somebody's not coming back. I'm sorry. One, two, three, right? Four, that's me counting. Count your blessings. All right, number four. This is important too. Focus on the promises, God's truth. Well, how's that? Well, here's the truth. The Lord is near. What has God said to you, really? If you, you maybe, I don't know a lot of Bible, Todd. Well, let me just tell you a few. Right there's one you learned today. The Lord is near. He's near you. The, the Bible says, he says, I will do all things for the good of those who believe in me. My way, not your way, but it'll be for your good. That I will never leave you or forsake you. That I'll hold on to you. That I'll never turn away from you. That nothing in this world, in all creation, can separate me from you, can separate my love from you. That does, does that mean that if the world tells you you're a bad person, God doesn't love you anymore? Does that mean if you've made a mistake and you put your faith in that, that, that you're doomed? No. If that was the case, ain't nobody getting in. Focus on the promises. You've got to cling to God's truth, guys. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. No matter how much support you have, there will come a time in your life when the only thing you have to stand on is the word of God, the truth. And if you don't, that's why some of your faith and your lives are crazy. And that's why some of the people we know who come to church all the time, they don't. And then they come back. You know why? Because their life is a roller coaster of how I feel, right? And then they forget God's truth. And then when we're feeling good again, they're like, oh, wait, God loves me. No, he loved you the whole time. Number five, sort of related to number four. Remember who you are and whose you are, Right? Listen to this. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret. The secret to having a life, to understanding, to not living in depression, to not accepting darkness, to, not, to, to living in hope. It's not the pill. Listen, I'm, medication is real, Okay. There are people that need antidepressants. Okay, I've done it. I'm not going to sit here and judge it. But what I will say is, one without the other, you take all the medication you want, 
If you don't have a relationship with God, you're never going to feel complete. You're not. Without God's truth to sit on, right, it doesn't make it. And that's where some of you are at. You get so bummed because, like, I'm doing everything the doctor tells me. I get it. And that's not wrong. And, you're, and I'm not shaming you. And sometimes that's a real thing. But there's more to life than that. And I wish, we all wish there was a, a true happy pill, right? You just pop it and all of a sudden everything's better. That's not how things work, is it? Some of you have really bad circumstances. You've had a really hard year, and I do not ever want to make light of that. And when I tell you to rejoice, if I was sitting down with you, I'd go, I don't know how to do it, but I know you can. I know you can. And Jesus modeled this for us, man. He did. On the cross, as he hung and died, man, he thought about other people, right? The thief on the cross beside him, who was sad. Can you imagine that? How did he, 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 he always focused on the Father and on other people, always. When people hated him, when people called him a liar, when he had nothing, when he had no home, when he was cold, when he was tired, when he was hungry, when he was sad, when he was dying, he clung to that. And it breaks my heart that so many people out there, so many of you guys are struggling with deep depression. You don't even know it's depression anymore. And I'm not saying it to idolize it. What I'm saying is you don't have to live in that forever. You don't. And depression begins to get deeper and stronger and harder when we forget truth and begin to believe lies. And those lies are what? There is no hope. He's not coming. Nothing's changing. Remember who you are and whose you are. Who are you? Well, in Christ, you're a saint. You're holy. You're chosen. You're beloved. You're a a son or daughter of the Most High King. You're a royal priesthood. Holy temple. You believe that? Some of you all right now I'm saying it. You're like, that's not me. Yes, it is. I'm with you. I struggle with it too. You are a saint. Moses ain't got nothing on you. Do you know that? The Bible even says that. Moses and the prophets would have longed for the day you live in, to be empowered and sealed with the Holy Spirit always and forever. And whose you are. Well, if you know who you are, you know whose you are. If I lived, Todd, if I, Todd, right now, me, if I lived out of who my father really was, I'd never be nervous. I wouldn't. I'd always feel loved because when people hurt me, I'm like, man, wait till my dad gets here, right? You're in trouble. And by the way, I am thinking that about some people. Wait till my dad talks to you, man, because you, you think you're right and you're not. And then he's like, Todd, I'm like, I know, my bad. Can't hate him. I want to leave you with these two promises here. These are verses, and I want you to think about this idea of change. If you're in a rough time in your life, you're in a depression, if you're in a tough, dark place, listen to these promises. This is in Lamentations. And then you know what that means? That's like a cry, a book that's sad, right? And listen to what's in there, 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day, I love that. Because the Lord's faithful love, we're never going to perish, for his mercies never end. And I love the picture of that. It's okay to go to sleep tonight because it's a new day tomorrow. Right? It's a new opportunity. You can always change new mercy. It's exciting. Do you believe that? Remember, belief isn't a feeling. So if you say, no, I don't, no, no, no. Do you and will you believe that? And then Revelation 21.5, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is at the end. Remember I told you that you, you already know how it's going to end. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. 
Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. (laughs) He makes all things new. That's what he does. He's not finished. It's not over. Hey, did you know the best is yet to come? I can look at your faces and don't believe you because you're going, that's me. I'm, I'm preaching to me too. Some of you Eeyores like me, we got we to gotta change it. We got to turn around. We got we to become more like Tigger. No? No Winnie the Pooh anymore? Yeah, yeah. That's what we need to do. It's not too late. He doesn't look at you and judge you for what you did last night. Did you know that? That if you put your faith in him, he's not mad at you right now? That you should repent not, not to be saved again, right, but to know he loves you, to be restored in your relationship. That's what it's about. People are like, why do I have to ask forgiveness if I've already been saved? It's not about that. It's about for you. It's coming to your dad and saying, I'm sorry, right? Whatever that is. I still going to come play some music, and I'm going to leave you with this very briefly. And as it, we, we set in this new year, I, I did this. I gave you two sermons in one, right? Because I want you to know that you can change. That it's a lie to believe you can't. A lie that the world tells you or a lie you believe. Some of you guys are beating yourselves up for things you've done years ago. You judge yourself for who you were years ago. And I told a good friend this, and and I don't mean it harshly, but when you do that, you're spitting on the cross. He paid a high price to transform you. Just because you don't think you're new, just because you don't think it's possible to change, doesn't, doesn't mean that that's true. And some of, you know, man, I don't know about you, but I know for a fact I had a good friend, man, that just covered his sadness with smiles. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. He was hurting, and he accepted this lie, man, that, like, this is it. He said, I got nothing left. That's what he said. And we can look at him and say, you know, people like that that make decisions, hasty decisions, make a, you know, a permanent decision on a short time, or short-term motion or trial, and it's easy to say that, but you know, some of us live that way, we just prolong it. Well, this is it. This is life. That's not what it is, man. That's not truth. It's not easy. It is not easy to, to not fall into the trap of depression, to not stay there. But you know, like that guy said, maybe it's time for you to break up with depression. And just like breaking up with a girl or a guy, it's hard, isn't it? Because they're going to call and they're going to text and you'll be like, I'm just going to say goodnight. You know, all the, we know the tricks, right? You know, you remember. We got to ignore it and we got to focus on the new place we're going in life. The world's going to tell you you can't change. You're going to tell yourself that you are just what you've been. All of that's a lie. And if you bought into that lie, that the best you have is the same old thing, that's all you can look forward to, the, the, the same old thing, that there's no real hope of change, that the gray and depression of, of life is, is the best we can hope for, that being angry, some of you are like, I'm not sad. No, you're just mad and bitter. But guess what? I learned this a long time ago, and it's so true. Anger is a secondary emotion. That means it's only covering something else. Whether you're sad or lonely Maybe you're the arrogant guy that's like, you're teaching me that. Man, that's covering something too. All this is lies. Because you serve the God of all hope, the God of peace, God of joy. Will you walk in that or are you going to settle for the same old thing? I'm serious. Are you willing to be different this year? Are you going to settle for the same old thing? Because here's the beauty. 
You can walk out, and that's saying, I say every time I'm going to say it again today, you can choose to leave here the same as you came in. You have that choice. You can settle for the same old thing because what? Because it's familiar and it feels safe. Or you can do something different in the hope of something better. If you're in the room and you don't know Jesus, you know, people say, Todd, why do you do that every week? Well, listen, you can't assume that people have gotten the chance to hear the real truth. I didn't know it. So here's the truth. If you're in the room today, and if you've heard it, I hope you, and you haven't responded, man, isn't it incredible that God gave you another chance? God created everything, and he made it perfect. He made you and me in this beautiful world, and he said, listen, he made humanity, he said, you can do whatever you want. There's one rule. I made this. You will walk around, and you're going to rule this in my name. We're going to have a close relationship. We're going to walk together. One rule. I'm God. You're not. I tell you what right and wrong is, and you follow. And we do what you and I, we did what you and I do every day. We said, no, I know better. And because of that, we were separated from God. Sin entered the world. Right? And sin is not just the bad things you do. It's a condition. It's a disease. We were snapped off the tree, right? Like a branch off a tree. We are snapped off. And what happens to a branch that's snapped off a tree long term? Does it have green leaves for a while? Sure. What's going to happen, though? It'll die. And that's the reality. And so what happens is this condition has shown itself in actions, hate, murder, all of these things you see in this world, depression. There are all consequences of that. And what happens is, as a creation, us have walked farther and farther away from God, the worst things have gotten. And yeah, things get a little better, and they're back and forth, but deep down, we know something's missing. And we've tried to fill it with all kinds of things. You know, religions that tell us how to get to God. We can be different to get to Him. And that's the one thing you can't do. You can't get to God. He has to come to you. Because the standard's perfection. I'm a good person. You're not that good. Because to be in a relationship with God, if he is holy and just and good and pure, you have to be what? Holy and just and pure and good. Which means if there's one dot that isn't that, he can't be in a relationship with you. Otherwise, he wouldn't be those things anymore. Get it? Snowball, mud ball. Touch him. Is the snowball wide anymore? No. He's not, so he's not going to change for us. He can't. So what's happened is we, we're in a mess, and you're in a mess, and you know it. And you're hurt, and we're broken, and we're shamed, and we're scared, and all those things, and, and life is what it is. And not only that, but we've sinned against God. We've disobeyed. We've broken the rules, and because of that, there is a punishment waiting for us. Eternity's real. Life is this long, and from wall to wall, it's this much. And after that, we'll go before the judge, and, and it says that the wages of sin are death, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if everyone's sinned and the wages of sin are death, we're in trouble. We couldn't pay all the debt. It's too late. Even if, we, even if you were perfect from this point on, you couldn't make up for what you did. Well, the beautiful thing is God had a plan. It's always been about believing in him. And God came down. He invaded this earth. He gave up his divine privileges. Jesus Christ was God made flesh. He walked this earth. Todd, that's crazy. Yeah, so is gravity, but you believe in that. Okay, and he walked. He taught us how to live, and then he did something incredible. Jesus of Nazareth, who existed... He died on the cross. He died. Horrible physical death. In a sense, a spiritual death as the Father turned his back on him. He experienced hell. 
truly being alone. He died. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Over 500 witnesses saw this. It happened. If that happened, and it did, you should respond. He died. He took your sin. He took all that mess that you have, and he offers you a choice today. Today. Here's your choice. You can come to him today. Do something different. Give him all of your junk. Reverse the decision you've lived your entire life, which is life's about me. Say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Jesus, I come to you. I need what you offer. Please forgive me. I want the new life that you have for me. And here's the crazy thing. You don't have to clean it up first. You don't have to change your life first. You don't have to be, uh, beat that addiction first. It says, in the midst of our sin, right now, tonight, today, the Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. What that means is you believe him and you respond and you say it. If you do that, it doesn't have to make sense to you. If you do that, you will live forever because he will give you eternal life and the benefits of his perfect spotless life so that when God the Father looks upon you, he just sees a perfect child, clean and holy and good. He will seal you with the Holy Spirit. That's power. It's real. And he will change you forever. So today, whether you're depressed, whether you're living and, you know, you can't change, whether you're living in the same old thing, whether you're sad, whether you're broken, whether you're guilty, or whether you, you don't know him, there's going to be people up here praying for you. Listen to me. I'm not asking you to do anything I didn't do. Because if I was really going to ask you to do what I did, I would tell you that you have to go behind this door here, this creepy door. That's what they did to me. All right? Here is your hand if you want this. I did. And they're like, now you go behind this creepy door. They're up here to pray for you. Guys, listen to me. There's all kinds of lies you tell yourself. Well, I'll do it later. No, you won't. Because if you do it later, why wouldn't you do it now? That's a lie. You have two voices in your head right now. You have one telling you this is crazy, coming up with all the excuses. People are going to see me. They're going to look at me. They're going to think I'm weird. They're going to know I'm bad. That's one. That's the liar. There's an enemy. And then there's another voice, and you know it. That feeling, that small, quiet, still voice that's saying, I love you. This is real. Do this. Listen to that. Whatever you do, don't leave here the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.